Hi, everybody, and welcome to Optimal Health, the podcast from Hudson Physicians, getting you back to optimal health when you're feeling sick, stressed, overwhelmed, or run down. Today, we have Dr. Kirsten Daniels, doctor of audiology here from Hudson Physicians, joining us today. And our topic's going to be hearing loss and the importance of early intervention with hearing loss and what to do. So we're looking very forward to getting into uh, all of this. And before we bring in the good doctor in, I'd like to uh, give you a little background on Dr. Daniels. She's been with Hudson Physicians since 2016. She received her Bachelor of Arts degree in Communication Sciences and Disorders from the University of North Dakota in 11, and then also went on to receive her Doctor of Audiology degree from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln in 2015, and you are a lifelong North Dakotan. Who are now like kind of, are you a Hudson (laughs) resident or a Twin Cities resident? So I actually live in Woodbury, so. Twin Cities. Twin Cities, yep, yep. How has that transition been for you? Great. You know, I grew up in a small town in North Dakota and I love coming into the Hudson area just because I feel like it's so welcoming and small. I mean, it's not a small town, but you kind of feel like everyone's just, you know, very open to getting to know you and uh, more homey feeling, which I like. Um, of course, you know, living in the Twin City metro area, it, it's, you know, a little more fast paced and everything like that. So I do like getting into the, the smaller community. A little more relaxed yes. from what I've noticed. I've spent a lot of time here in Hudson yes. and I absolutely love it. I do too. I'm not quite ready to move from the West Metro, but believe <laughs> me, I'm thinking about it over time. So, uh, I'm with so, you there, Pete. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, thank you. So, so when it comes down to uh, what you do and how you got into this, obviously your initial degree was in communication sciences and disorders. Mm-hmm. What does that encompass? Yeah, so typically the, the bachelor's degree that I have, you either are going to be going into speech pathology or audiology. So at North Dakota, where I started off, um, I really thought I was going to be a speech pathologist. That's kind of what I was going for my freshman year. Well, then getting more into the audiology program, just with classes, I really liked um, you know that side of things. Um, and you know, just working with patients who really are you know struggling with communication and you know just finding a solution for them. So it's very different from um, the speech pathology side that I started in, just going to the audiology realm of things. But once I fir- took my first class, I just loved it. And um, I just really like working with the patients and finding a solution for them. So as you've gone down that path, what are some of the things that you learned that may have surprised you uh, mm-hmm. that you maybe wouldn't have thought of? And what are some trends that you would say is kind of important to what your whole purpose is? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I primarily work with adults. Um, I used to see pediatrics, but now here and my role at Hudson Physicians, I'm just seeing adult um, individuals. And I really do feel like it's surprising at how many people just don't know on how to properly treat their hearing loss and are just kind of a little more in the dark of, you know, what to do about it. Um, and maybe a little more in denial, I guess I, I could say. Um, and so it really kind of surprised me just, you know, more doing the educating side of things that, hey, this can, you know, help you in so many aspects of your life. A big part is just communication in general. So we aren't isolating ourselves that can, you know, run into, you know, increased risk of depression and, mm-hmm. um, you know, mental state going down. There's been, a, you know, a lot of research that is tied into, you know, earlier onset of dementia without treating hearing loss and that type of stuff. So um, that I think really surprised me just 
working working with patients more and just seeing that um you know my job educating them is so important and hey we need to treat this hearing loss sooner rather than later so we don't see um, other risk factors start to appear great and we're going to get into that a little bit later on too so let's just start from the very beginning what really is constituted in hearing loss? I mean, and and is there an age that it knows? And, and how does that, I mean, you know, obviously you have something and then it goes away, right? So there's some that are born without, correct? correct? Yeah. So where do you draw the line on, you know, what hearing loss is and where it occurs? Mm-hmm. Like when you should do something about it type y- of thing? Yeah, like how do you know or when should, you know, I mean, I know when we're kids, yeah. you know, you raise the hand. You sure, know, and all that. Yeah. And the I, screening. Yeah, I always had the uh, I always had the little earring going there, you know. <laughs> and that high one, I'd get nervous. I'd be like, uh-oh, here we go. No, but I mean, like, when do you, like, determine, okay, we really need to start getting a little deeper here? Mm-hmm. Well, um, definitely, you know, once you reach your 50s, it's good just to get, you know, a baseline at that time. Um, we start doing the screenings here at Hudson Physicians at 55 plus. We do that annual screening just to see if there's a concern with the hearing loss and if you need to come see me. But just so individuals know, um, you know, when they're starting to have some concern, you know, if you feel like you're really concentrating in conversation, you know, you really have to tune in when you're just talking in um, at home, if the mm-hmm. TV's on and you're trying to talk to your spouse, if you feel like you're having a hard time with that, and they're just across the room from you. Yeah, that's maybe, you know, a reason for it. Oh, maybe I should go get my hearing checked. Um, you know, if you're noticing tinnitus where that's ringing of the ears, that's another symptom of, can be a symptom of hearing loss. So, you know, getting a baseline if you're noticing that is always a good idea as well. But um, usually it's our family that's going to kind of be like, hey, you know, I feel like you are asking repetition a lot. You know, I think that because we kind of get wrapped up in, you know, just day to day and we maybe don't pay much attention to it always. But if our family and friends are coming to us and they're saying that, hey, I, yeah. you're always asking me to repeat, maybe we should get this looked into. Another big thing um, that I see a lot with my patients is they feel like they're hearing, but they're not understanding. So I have a lot of patients come into me and they're like, well, I can hear just fine okay, but are you understanding what conver- what the conversation is? You may have low, fre- your low frequencies may be normal, but if your mid and high frequencies are diminished, you may feel like people are mumbling. Um, speech just isn't coming through very well, um, very clearly. So um, you definitely need to, you know, come in and get that looked at. Here's the million dollar question. <laughs> you know what's coming. How do you handle, okay, I know this is real. I used, I think my dad was like probably the, the premium of it. My, <laughs> mom, my mom would be talking to him. And he, he would just like not hear a word. He was just like full ignoring. Sure. So, so what is that? What is it? Do you ever get people that come in where it's just, they're just not listening. So when you yeah. screen them, now how do you handle that? I sure. mean, that, that can be a real oh, thing. Oh yeah. And it's something that I get asked maybe on a weekly basis. Oh, re- well you get asked again, you. which Monday. So here we go. <laughs> right. Yes. Well, I, I mean, definitely it's an attention thing thing to, it can be um so I always tell my patients because I, I see it a lot now with people wearing masks where they come into me and they're like you know Aww. I just feel like I'm not hearing very well is it my hearing or is it you know people wearing masks where I can't see their face so I always say okay if you're normal if your hearing's normal and you're still struggling with that work on communication strategies rather than you know if you're home and 
the water's running and you're trying to have a conversation with someone at home, yeah, you might struggle with that a little bit. Try to decrease background noise as best you can. Um, you know, if there's a fan on, turn that off. If no one's watching the TV and it's in the background, turn off that TV and have a conversation. Another thing I also tell my patients is, you know, maybe say their name first before you just yell a question at them. Because yeah. sometimes we're busy doing things or, you know, in our everyday life, we have, there's multiple things that are going, thoughts that are going through our head. And we definitely sometimes just need that, hey, you know, mm -hmm. mom or dad, you know, yeah. can, uh, before. So getting their attention is really big when it comes to wanting to have a proper conversation with someone as well. Eye contact doesn't hurt either. Yes. Right. Yeah. And make sure that you're, you know, at a nice distance if your room's away. Yeah. Yeah. You might struggle with that even if you have normal hearing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I do, I do think there is um, so many factors that come into play and you're never really at risk to come in and receive a complimentary and comprehensive uh, hearing assessment for adults yeah. here at Hudson Physicians, right? Mm -hmm. So what does that entail if, if you're going through these things and you're not sure, what happens when I come in and see you? Yeah, so I'm gonna go through, like you said, a comprehensive evaluation. Um, and so I'm gonna be testing all speech frequencies to see what, um, you know, decibel range at all the frequencies to see, um, you know, are you in the normal range? Are we mild, you know, moderate, you know, what have you? Um, so we're going to be testing 250 to 8,000 hertz. Those are all the s frequencies that are important for speech. Mm -hmm. um, so we want to determine all that. And we want to see what type of hearing loss you have. So is it a conductive hearing loss that potentially, you know, maybe there's fluid in the middle ear system or something going on with the middle ear bones. Um, that would be a referral to ear, nose, and throat. So I would determine that. Um, and if it's sen a sensory neural hearing loss, that is happening within the inner ear. And so that would be, you know, the treatment would be he hearing aids for that. And that's when, you know, we would just kind of go into that if the results warranted that. But yeah, then we do um, speech testing as well. And speech testing is very, very important because if word understanding is at a low percentage, those individuals might kind of struggle with hearing aids. Um, it doesn't really matter how loud I make that sound, but if their brain's not perceiving the information properly. How do you learn that on your end? Do you, how, or is it trial and error? How, how do I learn? How do you if, learn if the brain can't perceive that? Uh, so you may say, I yeah. mean, how, where, how do you get to that? Yeah. So for example, say someone has like a moderate hearing loss. I'm usually going to present, um, with the word understanding, let's say at like 80 decibels. So I'm going to bring that volume up for them. So normal conversation is going to be at 60 decibels primarily. So we want to increase that and see, okay, if we bring the volume up for that individual, how is their brain processing it? And it's just words that they have to repeat in that test. And if they get like 60%, for example, that is kind of a poor score. So that's telling me that their brain's not processing it as well as um, it maybe did in the past. So when you brought up the decibels in the conversation, <laughs> I want to share this a little bit. It's kind of funny. Sure. So um, actually, the, the reality is, is I'm hearing you really well right now. Yeah. Um, so for those of you that are listening, you can't see this, obviously. I bring in this fancy little soundboard, plug <laughs> some headsets in like at a radio station, whatever. And um, when I do hockey games or baseball games, whatever I'm doing, I kind of like to jack up the volume well, to get the feel. Yeah, and you, 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 yeah. It's just like, the, 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 <laughs> and so I'm used to it like being really loud. Right. And so I was really nervous to plug this in with Kirsten because I'm like, <laughs> oh God, I mean, I've got issues, you know, obviously I'm freaked out. And so I, 
I put it right to where I usually do, and she's like, ooh, that's a little loud. I'm like, oh, God. And I keep bringing it down and down. But this is a super comfortable level sure. um, of listening, and I think we're having in a room what would be a normal conversation. Yeah, I don't know if it comes across in this, mm-hmm. but I guess this is a, a roundabout way to ask the question. Is there a way in which you know, with with levels of decibels that you're receiving as a listener, mm-hmm. um, that you can condition yourself to that as well. Whereas if you're used to the TV just being boltingly loud, and then you know if you bring it down over a period of time, that you can be mm-hmm. that you adjust to that. Is that possible if you don't have loss? Is what I'm saying. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we kind of you know get used to certain levels just throughout our house, right? We kind of start yeah. to adapt to that. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you are always listening to something at a certain you know, let's just say 75 decibels, for example, yeah, you do kind of start just to get used to that level. Um, I guess the main thing is just making sure that it's not overly loud, where it's going to damage our hearing, and that rule of thumb is going to be around 85 decibels. Anything 85 decibels or higher is going to start to possibly do damage over time um, what, what what's that time so um it depends on how loud it is <laughs> so let's say we're at a concert <clears throat> yeah let's say it's a we uh the we fest mm, okay but it'd be indoors sure let's say and it's really if you're at a loud concert how long would that until that becomes a real big problem so i mean even if you're there for you know three hours and let's just say the decibel range is 100 or higher i mean that could start to do damage within you know just a a few hours um sometimes so say you go to a concert once a year right you're not there very often yeah you're you typically leave that concert and you're going to have ringing of the ears that ringing is showing you that you had some damage to your ears (laughs) seriously yep okay what about that um after a loud show Mm -hmm. you leave and you kind of not only do you have the ringing Mm -hmm. but it sort of feels like your ears are plugged too so that's what we call temporary threshold shift. What is and that? And so that means that you have some hearing loss more than likely. Your hearing has declined right after that concert, but typically within 24 hours, it goes back it up. It feels like it does. Mm-hmm. And that's what we call temporary threshold shift. Well, I am the king of that, <laughs> believe you me. <laughs> okay, right. now we got that established. Right. Okay. So now th- there's an interesting number out here that says uh, 48 million Americans experience some form of hearing loss. Yet 80% of them don't do anything about it. Why do we as a society live in denial of that type of thing? Mm -hmm. Because I think it's kind of a denial. You're 100% right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I feel like it is. I, I feel like it's getting better even in the last, you know, six, seven years that I've been working that, um, you know, individuals are starting to recognize that more and want to do something about it sooner rather than later. Um, I feel like there's that stigma out there that, hey, my grandma had hearing aids and they were huge and yep. they didn't, you know. You see them big yeah. time. Yeah. And um, she was always complaining about them. Well, I mean, those more than likely were like analog hearing aids. You know, it, now they're digital. They're going to be doing so much more with background noise, making you more comfortable. But the big thing I always want to educate my um, so I feel like that, you know, um, that aside, I feel like that's a big reason why people kind of put it off because they kind of hear those negative mm-hmm. comments out there. Um, so, but I feel like it is turning around and, um, you know, that's why I do a little more of the educating part of it rather than, um, just telling someone they need hearing aids. I mean, they need to know what can happen if they, if they wait, um, you know, a big statistic out there, um, that we've known for years is that it can take about seven years for, 
someone to do something about a, a hearing loss that they know that they have. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to decrease that as time goes by. And I feel like technology has come a long way where, you know, hearing aids now are connecting to people's smartphones where, you know, it's... I've spoken with a few people like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Bluetooth connectivity, which is awesome. So you, I mean, you can go take a walk and play music from your phone and it's like a headset for you, um, as well as giving you that proper amplification that you need. So there's a lot of cool things, um, you know, that hearing aids are doing now, but, you know, treating, the, it's really important that we treat the hearing loss to keep those nerves stimulated. That's going to help. So that word understanding doesn't go down in the future. Um, you know, the longer you wait to do anything about the hearing loss, we can start to see that word understanding decline. That's going to make it harder for that person to adapt and, um, and really, um, you know, uh, appreciate and do well with the hearing is in the future. Do you think, I think when we were younger, right, that there is a stigma that would go uh, with, with a grandparent that would be like, huh, you know, that kind of thing, <laughs> you know, whatever. But, but, but where they would be along with that came, what could have been a very, very smart person full of wisdom. But I feel like that there's always been this kind of thing as you get older or that comes with that you lose your, your, thought processes Mm -hmm. and that sort of I think a little bit of a stigma that follows it can you kind of go in on that phenomenon a little bit of culturally what how Mm -hmm. people judge that yeah well I feel like um you know I hear all the time well only old people need hearing aids well it's just like well in my mind the you know if you're always asking for repetition I think that makes you look more old than getting a hearing aid I (laughs) would agree that you can't even see anymore. Yeah, no, you really can't. Like I, when my patients come in, I have to look really yeah. hard to make sure that they're even wearing them, mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. they are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I feel like you know we just kind of put that hand in hand that oh, you know, only people that are asking, you know, asking for repetition all the time, they're the ones that need hearing aids, and that's not the case. Yeah. Um, and I do feel like it has gotten better over the last five years, but we still have a long way to go with that. I think I know the answer, but I, I want to ask it anyway. Yeah. If you get in early and you get things addressed this way, is there a way you could turn it around? Or are you pretty much, you are where you are, but it's not going to get worse? Yeah, great question. So, yeah, typically, so the thresholds that I was talking about that we're finding mm-hmm. with what, when you're listening to the beeps, more than likely, if it's a sensory neural hearing loss, that is not going to improve. Mm-hmm. Um, what we want to try not going down is that word understanding. So let me explain what I mean by that. So say your word understanding right today is 100%. When I brought that volume up, your brain was understanding that speech very well. What we want to try to preserve is that over time. So treating that hearing loss now is going to help your nerves stay stimulated so your brain's getting that information. So say your hearing loss goes down in five years. When you come back to me, yeah, I'm probably going to have to readjust the hearing aids to address that new threshold shift. Mm -hmm. But since we've been keeping your nerve stimulated for the last five years, your your brain knows what to do. So yeah, we're just going to adjust the hearing aids accordingly. Um, Rather than if you waited for those five years to do anything about the hearing loss, maybe you come back and your word understanding is 80%. Well, then it's going to be harder for your brain to adjust to hearing aids and getting that signal. Got it. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned something new today. Okay, so <laughs> like in terms of this is a good one too, like the the whole earbuds thing, mm-hmm. uh, whether they're the AirPods or whatever it is. Yep. I mean, you've got to clearly have some thoughts on those products. Yes, and we're even seeing that a lot of teenagers now are coming in with really? hearing loss associated with noise because they're pumping it. Mm-hmm. And so a big, I mean, obviously the only way we can really test what. Um, 
what the level is, you know, is with the sound level meter and all of that. But most people are not going to be going and doing that. So a lot of things that, you know, just easy ways that you can tell to see if those AirPods are too loud. If someone next to you can clearly hear that um, song, that's a problem. It's way too loud. Or if you put the AirPods on the table and they're still on and you're hearing that song clearly, it's too loud. Um, so those are some things that you can kind of monitor yourself or if you're in a room listening to music and someone comes in the room wanting to have a conversation with you if you can't hear that person and have a conversation with them with the music being on that's maybe another clue that it's too loud <laughs> you, know, you think uh what's interesting <laughs> with my uh, iphone is i happened upon and it really actually was a terrific wake-up call for me because i i like my music loud i just sure. i mean i want to feel it come on um <laughs> so when i was in it you know you're getting your screen time and all that other stuff but then it went into um how often you had your ears in and if if it what decibels and too loud and i looked at it and and that was i fell into it yeah but as that really taught me yeah. to i toned it down once i saw that sure. and i don't know if people know that's in their iphone but they mm -hmm. might want to take a look at that or their Definitely. androids i don't know but either one but take a look at it because there's tools in there that are actually saying hey buddy you're cracking it too loud yeah, and that's what's nice about the technology now on our phones, that they can really kind of alert you when the sound is too loud. Because sometimes, I mean, we get busy listening to music, you know, we don't really think yeah. anything of it. But yeah, if we have that nice, you know, notification letting us know about it, it's it just makes us more mindful. Very, very helpful there. Yeah. Okay, now in terms of the importance of getting in early, we talked about that rather than later. Uh, what are the long-term effects of people that wait? What can happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, definitely a big thing is, um, you know, the memory concern. Um, it's There's a lot of research on this that you can kind of go in and look at the statistics. But, um, you know, even with a mild to moderate hearing loss, we are about three times more likely to um, develop dementia from someone with normal hearing. Are you serious? Mm -hmm. And it goes up the more hearing loss that we have. Okay, so is there, uh, well, this is fascinating. So not to get too deep into the inside baseball here, but is there <laughs> obviously, you know, what we know about dementia and and the things that come with that it could be hereditary correct oh, definitely can yeah. hearing loss be hereditary so there are um and certain... that's can they feed each other yeah I mean, really? we, yeah they can kind of you know cross and um relate a little bit with that um hearing loss can definitely there are hereditary hearing loss losses but of course I mean, there's genetic testing that you can do. Is it like a syndrome that's causing that hearing yeah. loss? You know, we, we don't usually go and do that genetic testing to see what's causing me. that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But um, the big thing that you can do and all of us can do is just watch your noise exposure because noise yeah, sure. exposure is going to be a huge thing that is going to um, cause hearing loss over time. Very compelled to ask you this question about hearing and memory. This is a whole nother uh, little compartment you opened up for me. <laughs> um, so I explain to us how um, hearing things plays into the mind and memory as far as recall. Mm -hmm. And then you're saying that if you can't hear things, that will diminish. Is that correct? Um, to oh, a degree? Like your memory. Yeah, your memory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So think about it this way. We're not keeping the... 
with hearing loss. And as we get more hearing loss, that our hearing nerve is not seen stimulated like it should be. And if our hearing nerve isn't stimulated, it's not getting that information to the brain. So there's certain parts of the brain that are just not getting that signal like it should. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, that can tie into memory decline. Um, and of course, there's multiple, you know, yes, dementia can be a little bit hereditary too. So it kind of goes hand in hand a little bit. Um, but yeah, so that can really, you know, tie into that. So we want to make sure to keep those pathways to the brain active and the more hearing loss that we have, that's not, those pathways aren't staying very active. And so that's what hearing aids are definitely going to help with. So that brain gets that information. And hopefully we don't see that memory. I mean, memory may go down as we get older anyway. We can't always get away mm-hmm. from just the normal aging process, but we can help slow it down. And getting the proper auditory information can definitely um, help with that. Now that we've ramped everybody up as to what's going on and how this all plays and, and fits into <laughs> itself and the importance of it and the importance important of having screenings and getting in and, and seeing you and taking care mm-hmm. of things. Now we get into the fun part because we've now established that we need to do something. Right. So, I mean, this is the fun part, maybe. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> the products. Uh, so uh, w- what is out there, like, like w- in your role and what you do, how do you go about do you make recommendations? Um, 100%, is yes. there a brand? I don't want to, I'm not trying to do selfless promos. How mm-hmm. do you go about that part of it? Yeah. So, I mean, there's two main things that I'm always going to look at whenever I have a patient in my office. I'm going to see number one, what their hearing loss is. Do I need to refer them to ENT because of their hearing loss? Or do we need to start talking about hearing aids? If we have to go down that hearing aid route, I'm going to also ask them a lot of questions about their lifestyle. Lifestyle is really, really big when we start talking about hearing aids. So if um, an individual who's maybe home most of the time, maybe goes on walks, but doesn't really go into restaurants or get together with a lot of big groups, they maybe don't need as high of a technology level as someone who goes to um, basketball games, their grandkids are involved in a lot of things, or um, they just, um, you know, maybe are outdoors golfing, you know, they're very active individuals. They may need a more high technology level to keep them more comfortable in noise. Mm -hmm. So I'm always going to be asking my patients about their lifestyle and see, okay, what type of technology do we need to go with? Um, And then their type of hearing loss is also going to kind of guide me to what type of device would be right for them. I, as an audiologist, am always going to ask those specific questions, you know, once I know what the results are, and that's going to help guide me to what type of device would be right for them. Everyone has a different budget, you know, and everything like that. And so I always want to be mindful of that. So I want to tell them what's right for their type of lifestyle, but also be mindful of their budget. Um, But if you're a really active person, yeah, the investment's more than likely going to be more if you want to be enjoying conversation well in those more active environments. Is it perceived that this would be an expensive move for most people? And are there things you can do from a financing perspective when you do go down that path? Yes. I mean, the way hearing aids are, everything is kind of due up front, right? So it kind of seems like a So big, it's like the dentist. Yes. Same like thing. It, it kind of just feels like a, a something big right off the bat. Well, if you were to divide it out, um, you know, say you get hearing aids that are around $5,000. If you were to divide it out with how long they last, I mean, that's really going to be less than, you know, what we pay for cable a month. It's going to be less, a lot, you know, probably maybe what people pay for in coffee a month, you know? So when you Mm -hmm. look at it that way, it's, 
really going to be very comparable to other areas of our our health that we're paying for. Um, So I kind of like individuals to recognize that because when you divide it out, it's really not that different than other things that we're paying for. Um, You break it down to the basic, right? And just say, you know, you have a cup of coffee a day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, now you have two. Yeah. Because that's just really how it goes. And there you go. Right. I mean, so. And there's payment plans that we can always talk about because I understand that sometimes that's hard for individuals to be able to, you know, make that type of investment right off the bat. Well, it'll be a payment plans to help you. And then we have a lot of different technology levels for different price points as well. So, um, you know, if the high technology is just not something that an individual can afford, well, yeah, we have options that are going to be more on that level. Now, one of the things you brought up to me before we hopped on the podcast was the OTC, the over-the-counter, all the rage. Yes. And you mentioned there's a lot of media coverage on this, and mm-hmm. um, it sounds like it's fitting into a one-size-fits-all type of scenario. I, I haven't even seen it, sure. so that's good news. But uh, <laughs> it hasn't gotten here yet. So, right. uh, But can you tell us a little bit about that, pluses, negatives, whatever that may be? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I feel like over-the-counter hearing aids, and a lot of them are just amplifiers. I sometimes wouldn't classify them necessarily as hearing aids all the time. Um, But in my eyes, they kind of are a little scary because you're taking the professional out of the equation. Mm. And um, I mean, we have a a doctorate for a reason, right? We need need them fitted appropriately. Um, So when OTC devices kind of came about, they were more for like mild losses. Well, a lot of individuals who are going to get an OTC device, they aren't necessarily getting their hearing tested, right? They might not know there's... Right. There may be a wax buildup or, yeah. uh, or something where, you know, or need to go see yeah, an ENT physician. Um, so you really do need to go through a professional and get proper testing first. And those devices that are over the counter, they're not going to be programmed um, for that hearing loss either. So sometimes they might not even be doing a benefit for you at all. And then I feel like that's when hearing aids start getting kind of a negative reputation because if individuals aren't fitted appropriately, then you start hearing all those negative things out there. Well, you kind of have to look at it as too. It's, well, yeah, is that person, do they have a proper device? You know, that type of thing. So it kind of goes full circle when you start looking at that. So it's the old apples and oranges scenario. I mean, you can't Mm -hmm. really, you can't really compare the two. And, um, you know, if you're if you're going on the cheap, let's say, quote unquote, you're going to probably get the cheap result. Definitely. If you're doing it the right way, it's more long term. And I would probably guess that your uh, outlay will be much more valuable and much more efficient to see a professional such as yourself yeah. to really get that taken care of. Yeah. And I always want to <laughs> I drill this into um my patients as well, just making sure that they understand the service aspect of it as, you know, long-term because these devices are good. They're going to need maintenance. They do break every now and then. And um, what are you going to do when that happens? Well, bring it with uh, the patients I see, bring it into me. If I can't fix it in in my office, which I you typically can, I'm going to send it in to get fixed for you. So I'm doing you all that. Fix it? Yeah. Yeah. So there's, you know what's um, going on. right. Yeah. So if I, wow. I'm going to troubleshoot it here in the office and if I can't fix it, then sometimes it does need to be sent into the manufacturer. But, um, 
yeah, and there's parts in the device that need to be changed out. So I usually like seeing patients every six months to make sure that they're working appropriately. Mm -hmm. And all those appointments are going to be covered for you. So um, we aren't, you know, billing the patient for that upkeep with the device as well. How do you go wrong? What's the best way to get an appointment with you? Yeah, so... um, you can just call and make an appointment for an evaluation. Um, if you're f- feeling like, um, you know, you may have hearing loss and want to be seen for an evaluation, you can just call the appointment line and they can get you scheduled here at Hudson Physicians. Otherwise, um, when you do see the provider, you can always a- the provider here, um, you can always ask to get a hearing screening. And then, you know, if there's concerns about that screening, you. then they'll refer to me. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great stuff. And obviously you can check everything out here at, hudsonphysicians.com and uh, they have all of it's a great website everything you need is right here and uh, Dr. Daniels I got to ask you a question did you go through the process of what your workspace will look like in the new building like the virtual thing did you put the goggles on or something like what <laughs> i've got a podcast right. tomorrow i can't wait to see what this is I about did you do that? that yet no i haven't put on the goggles to oh, see. i don't know if there's goggles or something but it's like a virtual, virtual thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. okay um, i was like probably, there's goggles that I, I get to i'm known to be on. a little dramatic so i took it a little <laughs> extreme there but where, did you go through that process yeah so um i kind of got to see the layout and where um, my new office will be and it's going to be a beautiful facility I, everyone here is really excited about the new space um because i feel like we're growing so quickly that uh, we just yeah we just need all that extra room so um no I think it'll be great um a good new chapter for for the clinic that's awesome Mm -hmm. so we'll be talking about that and the whole process letting everybody know that it's next level here at Hudson Physicians so thank you for joining us here today really fascinating talk and I appreciate everything you do yeah thank you for having me I really appreciate it thank you (laughs) optimal health with Dr. Kirsten Daniels we'll be back with another podcast coming up I'm Pete Wagner so long everybody